I'm Tom Saunders, getting through this in the Pacific Palisades. And I'm Scott Blakeman in Manhattan. We did the right thing and played by the rules. As soon as the vaccine became available, we went online and navigated the frustrating maze of trying to schedule an appointment. Our only incentive? Saving our lives. But now, vaccines are everywhere. Walk into your drugstore and get your jab. Or go to City Field or Yankee Stadium for vaccines with no waiting. Plus, free tickets to a game. Yes, now they're showering you with free stuff just to get you to do something you should have done weeks ago, like we did. Scotty, we, who have been fully vaccinated for months, can only watch in wide wonder at the freebies being offered to laggards and procrastinators in convenient places, CVS pharmacies, and even Times Square. No appointment necessary if only these people will submit to a life-saving, health-enhancing jab in their lazy arms. Study it is true that vaccine hesitancy is a thing, and we must reach herd immunity as soon as we can. But where does this bribery end? Will the last person who gets vaccinated be given a Range Rover Evoque plus a dinette set? And that's not all. A trip for two to Hawaii where they'll stay at the fabulous Mona Surfrider Resort and Spa in Honolulu on a beach so famous it has its own name, Waikiki. Ah, Waikiki. Tommy, I, I don't regret jumping at the first chance to be vaccinated. I did it within minutes, uh, even if it meant missing out on valuable rewards. But you know what? It's not too late for the authorities to make up for that oversight and do the right thing. Those of us who are early adopters of this miracle jab should also be given freebies and other perks retroactively. Look, no one had to beg and bribe us to save ourselves and mankind. So we shouldn't have to beg for our justly deserved prizes. <laughs> And I would hope that there would be a varied selection we can choose from. <laughs> to the judges who adjudicate the bestowal of a MacArthur Genius Grant, I say this. Stop your search now. We have a winner. Giving prizes and freebies to those vaccinated months and months ago is the best idea, Scotty, since sliced bread. Better than sliced bread, actually, because think about it. Sliced bread is convenient, but... Who doesn't mind slicing off their own piece of bread from, say, a freshly baked baguette? In France, people are even happy to tear the bread apart with their own fingers. <laughs> now, of course, I don't really expect a Range Rover as a prize for my having been vaccinated months ago, but I will be dis bitterly disappointed if we don't get a dinette set and an all-expenses-paid trip to some island paradise. Well, Tommy, I, I definitely the dinette set would be it for me. And as we had talked about on previous podcasts, that was the staple of the marvelous game shows of the, the 70s. It was always a, a dinette set, which to me was just the, the ultimate prize, really, a dinette set. And you don't hear that anymore. Uh, I didn't even hear the expression dinette, but it was so desired in that day, and I still desire it today. Yes, and, and, and that it would be lumped in with a trip to a, a tropical island paradise uh, as it often was, by the way. Well, yeah, absolutely, a, yes. A, a, a new dinette set. Like, what exactly is a dinette set? We don't really, I don't really know. I assume it's a small table because it's anything with et on the end is smaller <laughs> than... Uh, that's right. at, uh, small house, I guess, in a sense. And, that's right. But yeah, because a dining yeah. table, 
in those days too, people had the formal dining table. So I, I just the fun that it evokes, Tommy. Dinette set. It's not the big stuffy formal adult table of parents who don't communicate to their kids and, and have no conversations. Yes, dear. No, it's fun. It's bold colors, as I have now, Tommy, in my apartment, orange Eames replica chairs and a small circular uh, table from the early 70s. It's fun. It screams fun. It doesn't scream fun because anything screamed would be jarring, but it shouts fun. And, and, and the point is, we should be getting them for having been vaccinated or, uh, back when we first had the, uh, had the ability to do so, that we are not vaccine hesitant hesitant, we should get an even bigger prize than the people well, who are vaccinated. Well, that's it, because we did the right thing. So essentially, they're rewarding the people who inexplicably waited and need to be prodded to get poked. In it. And so, again, I, again, let me make it clear. I don't say I don't want them to withdraw the incentives. I want to reach herd immunity. I want everybody to get vaccinated. Whatever it takes, fine. But what about us? And again, you know, our listeners know when we got our shots, we were just thrilled to get it. We weren't bitterly going, I, I got the jab, now I'm protected, but uh, they didn't really give me anything, a t-shirt, a mug, nothing. I didn't really, nothing. Think, no, that's not what we were thinking. No. no, in those days, we were just happy to get a jab. That was all we cared about. But we didn't, we didn't know that we were poor because we didn't get prizes as a result of getting a jab. We just <laughs> That's how people are. You get a jab and then you go home and then and, you, and you're happy with what with your jab. No, those days are over. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like people. What else do you get? Yeah. And again, we want them to get that. But really, I think it should. And again, the prizes should be extra significant for us. We were the ones and literally and our listeners may know this. Uh, we were about to record our podcast. I got I noticed the email that it was available for my age group. I asked you, let's pause. And literally, we held up the recording of the podcast so I could secure my appointment. Uh, and, and so that's okay, how that, that, it was. That, that was yeah. a historic time uh, yeah. uh, to relive it now. It, it, it's act, actually true in real and listeners to this podcast who have been stayed with, because this, this started back in April 1st of last year, right? Yeah. And uh, so we have been constantly on the job monitoring our life and the life of, a, of the world during this pandemic. And and also going back in time and going forward in time, you know, we're not just only talking about the pandemic. But no. the point is, Scotty, we should be given I, I definitely I think it should be the best dinette set you can get. Not not a. I, I know that they were giving away dinette sets. They were not the top of the line in those Goodson Todman uh, game show giveaways in the 1950s and 60s. I don't think they were. I think that the best one would be a bespoke dinette set set from a fine furniture emporium in Milan, Italy. Yes, that would be lovely. And also, again, the island vacation. Uh, again, I know feasibly they can't give it to all of us. And it, Waikiki and the other one, Tommy, Acapulco. And surprisingly, Tommy, these places still exist, but are rarely uttered. You never hear someone going, hey, where'd you go on vacation? Well, where'd you think I'd go? Acapulco, baby. It's never uttered. It still exists. It still have hotels. No one says it. What no happened since it, 1970? That they say, wow, that place is dangerous these days. You hear that? Well, uh, yes, sadly. with uh, yeah. That but, was but, the but, ultimate. Other, other than that, you're right, Scotty. And that, that used to be, uh, that, that, um, that was the place. That was where the, that was where the, the wealthy uh, uh, hobnobbed. Uh, um, that was one of those, yeah, that was one of those places that, 
yachts would go to and, and people would, I don't even know if they had private jets back in the 19, they didn't back in the 1960s. But, and then Elvis made Fun at Acapulco, the movie. And I think it went down market from there. I think that was, you have to tr tr trace Acapulco's decline in our national conversation from the Elvis Fun at Acapulco movie. And, and by the way, Tom, this is something that I, I want to say now because I may forget it and never say it again, but I saw something posted. Maybe you sent it because I know you're a, a habitué of, of the YouTube and the algorithm, but apparently uh, Anne Margaret was so amazing in one of the Elvis movies she did that they literally cut many of her songs because she overshadowed uh, Elvis. Now, Elvis what? got great, but apparently, I never knew this, but, I and I don't know which that. movie it would have been, our, our genius listeners could tell us, but they literally cut some of her songs because she was so incredible. That is phenomenal. That is a real stop. The Only on this podcast would an, a, a news item from 50 or 60 years ago, stop the presses. But you're stopped the presses, Scotty. That is well, I did. And, and uh, you know, and the, some of those presses now have been farmed out and several several uh, podcasts use the same presses to yeah, stop with consolidation and the hedge funds. But uh, she was, I think, one of the most undersung, underappreciated stars. I mean, she's still out there. And Margaret, of course, we love Bye Bye Birdie and she was amazing in that. But she uh, really incredible and, and uh, well, marvelous. Here's, here's the thing about Anne and Margaret. I think, um, and I grew I grew up in her era. Now, people live, listening thousands of years from now, we don't need to tell you who Anne Margaret is. Of course, you know she is. You probably uh, 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 revere her even more than we do in this time period. Um, uh, but uh, uh, a thousand years from now, because you're right, Scotty, she is under underappreciated but i think as a as a uh, songstress um i wouldn't her acting uh style is um i would say unique to her yeah and certainly not like any other person i've ever seen in normal life uh, uh in other words her way of saying words in an in uh, that have been written for her for in a movie is always it's just oh, that's Anne Margaret. You know, you're you're you have to imagine a world in which Anne Margaret is this character, and that you can't really imagine. Do you know what I'm saying? Scott? Yeah, well, she's very very Scandinavian, very well met Scandinavian. Yeah, very Evans, High School. Yeah, well met. She uh, she grew up in in um, a northern suburb of Chicago. Yeah, uh, I went to Nutrier High School. And went to the famous Nutrier High School, which is and she's actually one of the most famous people to go to Nutrier High School, which is fascinating to me because that is. One of, that is the, supposedly the best high school in all of Chicago and one of the best in the country. And she is the most famous person to come from New York. Yeah, and, and uh, she went to Northwestern for a year and they still talk about that. And so I, I think maybe her strength in these Elvis movies were she was a marvelous dancer. I think that a lot of people may not know about her. Oh, she was fabulous. And she was a great dancer. But her and her Bye Bye Birdie, that, that song where they just had her, I don't know if they had her on a treadmill or what it was, but she's walking toward the camera and she never gets up to the camera. It's just she's, and she's singing, bye, bye, birdie. And yeah. she's phenomenal. You don't need to see the rest of the movie. That's all you need to see is the opening shot, uh, uh, opening song of her singing, bye, bye, birdie. Just her. And just well, I, I, I want to see it again because I loved Paul Lynn so much. It just, my, it just my upbringing. He, to me, was the funniest person in the world and just oh to Paul everything he did whether it was on 
the game shows and that movie, particularly at Kids Today, and just uh, that, hilarious. That, that, that song, Kids, that yeah. was the biggest comedy song of its day. We don't even have comedy songs anymore, but in its day, everybody knew about kids who can understand anything they say. And that was, the, and that was just a hilarious song in its day. about. Well, and we had comedy uh, musical, the great uh, Alan Sherman, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. I mean, it was a whole genre of comedy, musical yeah. comedy albums. Yes, comedy song, comedy music. And, that, the, uh, and, and I get that because, uh, and I've often said this, Scotty, and I may be controversial. I may be attacked for saying this, Scotty. And I know, uh, and I know a lot of people are, are going to take this very hard. And, and I hope I don't get those t- terrible death threats when I say this. Uh, <laughs> but, Scotty, I don't think, I think not, 80 to 90% of the time, comedy songs are neither funny or good music. That's the problem with comedy songs. They often aren't good music. You don't like to listen to them or they aren't funny or both. And so uh, any comedy song that breaks that barrier, well, that's a pretty special. And why don't they give an award for comedy songs? Well, they should. Well, the one uh, I was thinking of, the great Tom Lehrer, uh, who I actually spoke to on the phone once. I wanted him to perform at Northwestern. I remember he said, I only perform for hopeless causes and losing candidates. And just a brilliantly funny MIT professor MIT who professor. wrote these incredibly satiric songs that have the words or lyrics and music great. Oh, we'll and still hold up today. When we go, you know what that one? That was about nuclear war and how we're all going to die in nuclear yeah. war. Nobody was writing songs about how uh, comic songs, black humor it was called, Scotty, back in the day before when black meant something Besides, yeah. well, also they probably latly you know, jump in with the, the sick humor of Tom. Everything was sick, like Lenny Bruce Mortsall, sick comedy. Yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't obviously it wasn't. And then there was a classic one. We talked about National Brotherhood Week, and he did a whole thing on that, and uh, just incredible. Right. Uh, National Brotherhood Week. Oh. Uh, I think oh, right, it's National Brotherhood Week, where where you're talking about a Tom Lehrer song. Making yeah, fun of how we then go back to hating each other after National Brotherhood. Yeah, right. That, that's how it ends. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember uh, in high school, uh, one of our teachers played the pollution song accompanied with a slideshow. Pollution, pollution. Yeah. Use the latest toothpaste, then wash your mouth in industrial waste. I remember that. Obviously, I remember that. But I, but even the the class. This is high school, mind you. And I remember even the class bullies who uh, only talked about cars and beating people up. <laughs> they thought that was a funny song. Wow. Well, if you can that reach was, them. Well, Tom Lehrer and people li- listening a thousand years from now, this was a, and even people listening now don't know who Tom Lehrer is. I mean, well, they, sadly, and as he just is, it's so timely, you know, t- today. And also it's funny when you say air pollute, that was the big issue of our youth. What's global. It's, it's a, it's a part of global warming, but that was the worst thing. With the pollution, air pollution, that was always, and it actually. Bob, that's because of the air pollution. And then, and then it becomes, yeah. you know, actually, it's worse than that. It causes cancer. Yeah, and it actually, though, was handled. You know, they, you know, they fought it. And even now Republicans want to roll back and come on, don't tell these businesses what to do. But they really did with lead and gas and, and all the you know, billowing smoke from things. They really actually attacked the problem. So it was a. It's, thanks to Tom Lehrer, I think. It's, uh, partly thanks to Tom Lehrer and, and also to Pete Seeger and, well, we'll clean up the Hudson River. 
you know, all of his, his efforts to clean up the Hudson River, Pete Seeger is singing songs about pollution. And nobody's doing that now, uh, but it, it really was effective, actually, in those days. I mean, these songs, uh, you know, uh, uh, were, uh, uh, were actually um, uh, had made a difference, I think. Really. Yeah, and also public service announcements. They're not what they used to be. There's the classic one with the Indian with the tear uh, crying, and I was don't I believe it was, and I'm not sure why it was in India now, but it was, it was wasn't Italian, that the one don't uh, litter. It was famously a, 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 a Italian. It turned out, and um, uh, that was that for litter, or that was for uh, what but exactly? That was for uh, um, uh, you know, not littering. You don't yeah. want litter, uh, uh, and because it, uh, the it, the American Indian will see it and he will cry a single tear because his land has been uh, polluted and and. You know, actually, I was uh, uh, my sister was just saying the other day, she says to me, Tom, she says, do you remember how like garbagey the uh, uh, America used to be before? Well, actually, supposedly before Lady Bird Johnson started. Yeah, beautify America. But it was just lots of, you know, we just put up, oh, yeah, you know, by the side of the road, there's some garbage and whatever, you know, drive along. do de do do We didn't even think that it could be picked up by somebody and put yeah. in a trash can. It was just normal. And, and, and uh, we lived in a dirt. I grew up, Scotty. I am a survivor. And you are, too, of a much of a world where people actually just put out their cigarettes and just stepped on them. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and do. I'll go even further. Pre poo bags where dogs would just go on the street and you walk away. I mean, that people think that goes back forever, but no, it started, I don't know, 30 years ago, whatever, 20, 30. 30 years ago. I don't know. I'm not sure. But maybe I, just I, 20. I, and Like the idea yeah. that you had to pick up after your dog became a new thing. It was, a, I remember when it was a new thing. Oh, what? Pick up after your dog. But huh? what do you, you mean? I have to touch my dog's poo. That's right. You, you'll, you'll put it in a bag and take it with you back home or dump it into a, the, a nearest container. Yeah. And uh, you're right, Scotty, that that was in our lifetime. People wouldn't even can you imagine if we went back to, when we were 10 years old. Hey, buddy, why, pick up after your dog. Can you imagine what they would say to us, Scotty? And we'd be oh. right, too. We'd be 10 year olds yelling at adults to pick up after their dog in 1965. <laughs> And 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 and, uh, and they look at and you know what they'd probably say shut up kid, what do you yeah mean? yeah well you know we we as you, as our listeners know we beyond worship we revere the past and the future and and the present but I have to say there are many we are better off now than oh. we were then you know and just when you see these great movies and of course I just saw something about the 1939 World's Fair and sadly how the pylon and the Unisphere was uh, uh, not Unisphere the uh, Parasphere. Uh, was dis- demolished, just destroyed Demol- and used for armament, sadly. I what mean, what a, what a ironic thing, Tommy, this, this, stat- this statue of peace and world cooperation used in war. But anyway, but we, it's a healthier time, though, and we are better off. Pollution, garbage, uh, health, life expectancy. So, you know, there are People things to be thankful for. People everywhere. And yeah, right. And exactly. And- yes, we were always always around smoke. I remember in my early days at the comedy clubs, there was always, a, you know, a, you bathed, you, I smelled the smoke when I returned home. The smoke was rising inside, outside. And I'll never forget, Tommy, going with my dad to the old Madison Square Garden in 1967. It was Christmas Day, the Knicks taking on the Boston Celtics and walking into that arena 
and just seeing that plume, giant plume <laughs> smoke from the rafters. I'll never forget it, Tommy. I'll never forget it. Wow, Scotty, I'll never forget your description of that. Uh, right now, I mean, I could actually see it in my mind. First of all, the idea of being in that old Madison Square Garden. Now, a lot of people don't realize uh, when they go to New York and they see Madison Square Garden of today, first of all, it's round. It's not square. It's yeah. not a garden. And it's not in Madison Square. Anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's absolutely nothing right about that place. And not to mention, it, it also meant that the destruction of the, the great Penn Station. Oh, of course. No, it's but, a debacle. Uh, yeah. Everything about it is bad. But there was once a, a actual Madison Square Garden on the square in, in you know, 23rd Street, right? Or wherever yeah. it was, 27th Street. It probably was where the Grand Madison Square Park is now, I'm guessing. No, no. The park was always there. Ah. But the, it was one of the uh, a new buildings that, that it was where, you know, around the, the square. The park, I'm pretty sure, was always a park. Well, I think even the Metropolitan Opera was originally down in that neighborhood, too. So, But Madison Square Garden, the one on 49th and Broadway and 8th, and it, it looked like a theater in the marquee. And, but it was just this. Oh, wait, and I was there. It's incredible. And you know. 49th and, uh, uh, it was on 49th and Broadway. And I 8th. believe so. 49th and 8th, somewhere around there on a side street. And uh, it just was this, you know, huge place. Wow. Okay, that's fascinating. Well, yeah. anyway, uh, um, I'm, uh, this is in real time, Scotty. Our listeners who are not familiar with New York are probably having a field day uh, enjoying our uh, revelation of specific facts about New York and that I myself was not aware of. I always assumed it was on Madison Square, the Madison Square Garden. That's I mean, one time, but then there was, a, you know, the follow-up one. And then the new one, I have to say, when it came out, it was really maybe a year later in 68, and I used to go there a lot, and it was this modern thing with multicolored seats, and it was supposed to be a marvel of the future, Matt and the Felt Forum, the theater, and they just, what somehow, no one talked about the fact, as you say, Tommy, that this grand, edifice the pennsylvania station was destroyed and a horrible subway station basically was put up and it's we've never recovered from it since so uh but all people talk about oh this modern arena but uh it was quite no, it's a different horrible place it's it, it, it's 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 absolutely awful so it's amazing that you were able to go to uh, not the original it sounds like but the interim madison square garden yes we grew up hearing about and and knowing that it was some big place where big boxing events were. Yeah, always boxing. Yeah, big, big concerts and and, uh, so and the college doubleheaders. Plume of smoke. Yeah, oh, definitely the plume of smoke. And but that's what like, something people forget that too. Smoke was everywhere. It was just well, my mom smoked. I mean, I'm sure, but you know, we're always around smoke and uh, every place, every building, standing on a corner, bus stops. I believe this. This I'm not totally sure of, but. I wouldn't be surprised if you could smoke on the subway too. That must have been. Yeah, no, no. You, I, I'm pretty sure you could. Wow. Well, that sure you could do smoke anywhere, everywhere. Like certainly on trains. You know, the commuter train. Sections were kind of new in, uh, when I was growing up, and then well, there's a no smoking section on the aeroplane. And yeah, well, that was the biggest uh, joke, as they say, because I, I literally row three would be non-smoking, and row four was smoking. So it, well, no, that's the row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, smoke knew. And generally it did. That's a funny thing. Smoke, for some reason, respected the first class boundary, the non-smoking boundary. That's that. 
uh, uh, that uh, it's called the miracle of of the airplane smoke that it would remain or so i mean I, I, that was the that was what the airline they told us that maybe it wasn't true whether that's true or not yeah uh, uh, you know that's that remains controversial but um i believed everything the airlines told me in those days i really did i like i, I had no doubt that oh yeah smoking section non-smoking section fine everything you you want me to do oh put on my seat belts okay oh uh, all right i sit down uh, uh, the, the jet engines are, are, you know, I totally believe in the jet. Well, I actually, in those days, I believed everything that the yeah. authorities said. I don't yeah. think there was very little skepticism no. in growing up in the 60s and 70s. No, it was, ah, yeah, that's what, no, it was, we revered it. It was like, okay, that's what they said. And, and yeah. it's like the Van Allen radiation belts or the moon or this. No one doubted it. There was no, no, I didn't doubt it. But no. funny, wasn't, uh, 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 it was a simpler time. I, I have to say I was, it was, I, I can't say I'm, I'm happier now that I'm constantly skeptical and doubting every, everything that authorities said, but you're right, in the old days, yes, uh, I, that's why I believe that, that, that I couldn't, um, that I couldn't uh, sneak out of school to see John F. Kennedy, because I feared uh, who happened to be campaigning uh, in, our, in our town, in, in, the, in the town square, because, I, because authorities had told me about truant officers, and I believed it. I believe everything. I believe that smoke, but I did believe smoking was bad and I didn't. Uh, oh, you know that? Yes, that there was no. Because yeah, that's what the authorities caught, caught on to it just in time so that, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we did, I didn't really mind cigarette smoke terribly, uh, although it stung my eyes sometimes, <laughs> but I, 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 a lot of times I didn't mind it. Like I, I and, and it's cigar smoke too. Cigar smoke, yeah, I, Cigars, and now it bothers me, but there was a time it didn't. And then actually my Uncle Mel smoked a pipe. And that was, I don't know how many people, and that just seemed very exotic to me and actually pleasant tasting. Yeah, smelling, and it seemed fun. And hey, you got a pipe. But I, I would worry like if I was doing it correctly and, and all oh, that. But I would never be able to do it right. Actually, there is a picture of me in, uh, I had to say, uh, as, a, as a toddler in diapers with a pipe in my mouth. Grinning happily with a pipe, like a corn cob pipe. This is an actual adult pipe that I'd gotten hold of and I stuck in my mouth, and every and people thought it was cute. Oh look, Tom's learning to smoke a pipe, and he's only one year old. Yeah, not the fact that you're learning to smoke; it's just that you're one year old instead of nine when it would be acceptable, you know, for eleven. But uh, I I wonder if today, Tommy, thought to be cute in the age of pipe. Yeah, pipe smoke does smell good. I just want to make one other point, Scotty. Growing up in the suburbs where things were very, you know, the Libertyville was a very clean, wholesome town. You drive to Chicago, uh, uh, a mere 30 miles away, and the downtown was totally different. It was light years away. And the smell, I remember the smell of diesel fuel because mm. of the trucks and cigar smoke because Chicagoans smoked cigars publicly in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just regular guys, not fancy rich guys, but just regular guys with crook hats and and you know sitting around and you know standing around you know with sour expression. And yeah, got, big shoulders. <laughs> big shoulders, yeah, because it was the city of big shoulders. As yeah, and said so. A lot of them had big shoulders. There were some who did not have big shoulders. Uh, I, I'm going to say that right now. Yeah, but, yeah. No, that is true. And but yeah. I tell you, I was just thinking though on the pipe uh, story. Does our pipes even sold anymore? And does anyone other than the late Alistair Cook 
you know, people would be, yes, yeah, you know, the, the, the kind of the Brit in, in movies, they use it. But does yeah. anybody really smoke a pipe? That's interesting. You bring up Alistair Cook for people listening a thousand years. From and now. I hope I believe he's, he's no longer with us. I hope that I, I he is no longer with us. Okay. He, used to do, he used to introduce Massabee Theater. He was, a, yeah. he was a, a, actually a journalist who wrote an excellent book during World War II about the United States and World War II. I totally recommend it. It's, it's so fascinating. But he became this guy who would introduce Masterpiece Theater, which is a hilariously badly named uh, program on NPR at the time. And, and or not NPR. Uh, PBS. PBS. Thank you. And he would smoke. And he would have a pipe. I think you're right. He, I think he had a pipe with, you know, as part of his prop. And he was so be- erudite and elegant. And I always used Alistair Cook whenever I felt like I didn't fit in and everybody else. Uh, in fact, I did a comedy show once with all women and they were all quite dirty in their material and I said I got on stage and said I feel like Alistair Cook that was always my go-to reference for something because to me it was the epitome of talking in other words when everybody else would seem more gritty and 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 uh well like you say do doing dirty material but you don't actually do dirty material no no I was the only one on the show who didn't so I said I feel like Alistair Cook so I don't know whether it was the perfect reference, but to me, he was always just sort of this uh, just elegant, erudite, you know, smart kind of a character. Yeah, well, and who smoked a pipe? Smoked a pipe, yeah, that I didn't and, do. And that's how we got into talking about this. this, this yes. And, and how you, you, kind of, you really related to him. and, and uh, uh, Except for the pipe, yeah, everything else I definitely did. And uh, I mean, what a whirlwind, Tommy. You know, we were uh, joking off camera and actually, there's no cameras ever at the moment, so it's always off camera. But uh, that the, what we pack into a 35-minute episode, we're about 30 minutes now. If we had a live audience, and we hope in the future, near future, there will be live recordings. And that may extend these programs uh, for years. Well, well, let's just talk about that just before yeah. we go. As we were to, uh, uh, this is sort of a, a, kind, of a you know, kind of a backstage lifting the curtain yeah. See what uh, what goes on and, and behind the scenes at a, a real podcast, and we were uh, discussing the fact that this this new comedy that we've developed is perfect for the pandemic era because it doesn't require an audience. As, as anyone listening knows, it's it's much it's it's speeded up. There's more information per minute because we don't have the audience now. Yeah. We are thinking. We're contemplating, what if we do bring an audience in? Well, okay, fine. But we have to uh, 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 be aware that now it's going to mean that, we're go- that the shows are going to have to be at least three or four times as long uh, because of the interruption of laughter, applause, and then the people, the standing ovation. So imagine we're talking, like when, we, when we're doing this podcast right now, there's no audience, so we can just keep talking, you know, just rapid, inner, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, we're our own audience, but we take it in and keep going. We keep, yeah. That's right. We don't slow it down. Yeah. We're our own audience, but we keep, we're also the entertainers, so we have to keep yeah. the show going. Imagine when we stop for just, you know, a, 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 any one of our lines will be interrupted with, uh, a, a, you know, whenever we finish a sentence, there'll just be hoots and screams of laughter. And, and then the applause, which takes time. Yeah, and this getting up, the standing ovation—that's, I think, really what's what what I. Well, for that, actually, I thought of something for that eventuality, Tommy, which will happen 
you know how they have in these studios the applause, flashing applause thing. We're going to have a flashing, no standing ovation sign. I think that's, I think we're yeah. going to need that, Scotty. There's no, please. And, 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 and in addition, I think prior to, to the show, we will just have to say, please, we do welcome your laughter and your applause. We do ask that you remain in your seat throughout the entire podcast. Yeah. And, 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 and that's it's just a matter of time, Scotty, because we get we managed to end this uh, podcast. It's supposed to be a 30 minute podcast. It always goes over time to 35, sometimes 36 minutes. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine that with the, the, the hoots and the hollers, the belly laughs, the guffaws. Now, that's the one thing. You cannot eliminate the guffaws. You can say, no, no. please, no guffaws. But you yeah, can't. yeah. And there'll be one laugher in particular off to the side, and we'll, we'll, we'll look to him and her or whatever. But, but actually, Tommy, what could do now, the shows could go on be four hours long, or we would just keep the shows at this length and then just uh, do, you know, do the ideas on another show, you know, so this is because basically this one show today, 35 minutes, literally could be uh, four hours of material if people are laughing. Well, four, it could be four different shows if yeah. you add in just laughter. I'm not talking about standing ovations or the applause because we don't want to have a thing where, you know, people are applauding instead of laughing, like on the Jay Leno show. And those. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's become a lot of comedy. Yeah, just applauding. Yeah, yeah, just applaud. It's very easy to applaud. It's hard to get people to actually laugh. But yeah. people will applaud because, it's, you know, you can slap your hands together in approval and it's less awkward than stony silence. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, our, yeah, our applause yeah, will follow yeah, laughter. Yeah, but we're not in, in dependent on applause. La you know, you know, fake laughter and then applause. We don't know. And actually, maybe we could say that classic line, please hold your applause till the end of the show. Oh, that would we could be simply say that. That's well, the warm up guy will we'll tell him warm up gal or guy will come out and we'll, uh, you know, figure it all out. And uh, well, the time we're at that point of the show where we're going to recap. And, and sometimes the recap could take as long as the show. We started amazingly. But the fact that you and I were the good guys, we got our vaccines as oh, yeah. soon as we could. That's and we don't we don't bemoan the fact that the Johnny come lately's or the Jennifer come lately's are getting their vaccines and getting free tickets and prizes and gifts and donuts and, and walking right in anywhere or they come to your house. No, we don't bemoan that because we want people to vaccinate. But we just ask politely. Where are our prizes? Where are our prizes? We, yeah. we were vac vaccinated months ago. We didn't demand anything. And, and that's a good recap, Scotty. I mean, that because that, I, I had almost forgotten that that's how we start, started the show. And then, of course, we moved into, uh, uh, it's almost hard for me to recollect, though. We, we took a trip down memory lane to, uh, well, Madison, the old Madison Square Garden, the plumes of Plumas smoke and smoke. smoking in garbage. general. How garbage, as you brought up, Tommy. It yeah. was a dirtier, more garbagey world a and year ago. And that came from comedy songs and yeah. Flair, and we were talking about comedy songs and Hello Mother, Hello Father. And, and, and we weren't even talking about garbage. We were just talking about songs that were funny uh, or were trying to be funny. Scotty, we really covered uh, just, uh, I won't say we covered everything that there is, uh, but certainly over the course of this podcast, uh, we are kind of the encyclopedia of Britannica, I guess. You yeah, know. yeah, or the World Book, or you choose your favorite. Compton, that was one that didn't. The World Book Compton was encyclopedia. given away as a prize. Yeah, World that was another thing. I would accept a complete collection of World Books if yeah, they still true. make them, but Encyclopedia Britannica, that was the other one. But Tommy, uh, that's what we do. Every show we do five days a week, we pack it all in, 
and then uh, we leave it up to you, the listener, to uh, take it all in. Oh, Scotty, and I, I, I can't top that. On that note, I remain Tom Saunders. And I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman, and we're getting through this. <laughs>